We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. On your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady and Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready. Martin Palomo of Pinnacle joins me as he always does. I'm in the Clark Ford Studios. Martin is in, uh, what did we say? Is it the Pelican Studios? Is that what we call it, where you are? Yeah, man. We can do that. <laughs> in other words. <laughs> that was Stacy's uh, studio at his house, where I used to tape, um, but he that house sold, and he now lives in Oxford full time. So, so it's not the Pelican Studios. We'll have to come up with a name for where you are at some point. Maybe we can we can make that a trivia contest. Yeah, that'll be a that. Yeah, we can we can sell naming rights to the studio, dude. Uh, we should absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of, I'm in the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. Six six two two five seven nineteen hundred. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. 
get your quote, the rest completely up to you. You can shop it around or do what I've done. What I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. So for now, we're going to toss it to Clark Ford Studio South there in the Jackson Ooh. area. And uh, Ooh, that's got a, kind of got a good little little tingle to it, man. I mean, sure, and I drive a Ford, so. I'm sure Corey likes not it, a, yeah. You know, it's not a, it's not, it's it, like if you said like, hey, this is the Chevy studio, I'd be like, oh man, I drive a Ford. And so that's kind of. Well, we're the, kind of a Ford family too. Like yeah, Jennifer are. has a Lincoln MKX that she's had forever, which is a Ford. I don't know, and and I'm I'm a I love Mustangs, so I think we're just kind of a blue oval family. Yeah, we're kind of that way too. So tell us about now that we've discussed uh, Clark Ford <laughs> and the and the Ford family. Let's talk about what's going on at Pinnacle. <laughs> oh man, um, we've been I've been having I've been meeting a lot with uh with our with our client base um, last couple weeks. Um, really kind of making sure everything's still like I said, I mean, I almost feel like people are probably tired of hearing me say it over and over again, but it's just worth repeating it every time, you know, looking at the plan, making sure that clients uh, are in, are in good shape, even with what's currently, you know, the markets being down, what's reflected in their account values, if it's going to, you know, derail their plan, which I, no one yet that we've met with have, you know, their, their plans have been derailed because the markets are temporarily down for, you know, 20% down. Um, but you know, we have gotten a lot of questions and I think it's, you know, folks are, are just hearing terms kind of over and over again in the media or either on Facebook or wherever they get their, their news. And it's, um, you know, some terms that people are familiar with the word, but don't really understand the full grasp of, of what it means. And, uh, and, and it's the, it's, it's, it's a longer than a four letters, but it's, you know, it's a bad word and it's an R word, which, um, you know, which is recession. And, uh, and I think we'll talk a little bit about more about that on the show too. But, um, you know, and a lot of, a lot of what I've tried to help folks be comfortable with is, Hey, when we get one, cause it's not an if, cause it's just a natural business cycle. Like things ebb and flow naturally. Um, you know, when we get one, are we, are we going to be okay? And for, you know, all of our clients, a hundred percent of them so far, uh, the answer is yes. The answer is, you know, we, we, we control the things that we control, which is, you know, spending, um, you know, our budget, um, you know, and even how long we work or if we decide we want to continue working longer. Uh, and then we, you know, can't worry about the things we have no control over, uh, where people kind of get a little upside down is, um, folks kind of, I think in their head say I should be trading in and out of my portfolio, you know, on a regular basis. And, uh, it was funny. I was statistically speaking, that's a losing strategy. So, uh, people, this was a statistic that was shared from Dalbar, D-A-L-B-A-R. Um, and, uh, I was, it was in one of my investment meetings yesterday. They were saying the average investor, uh, that is a do it yourselfer uh, underperform, the index by about 3% a year annualized, which is a significant amount. If you stretch that over a 20 or 30 year period, um, and folks with advisors tend to keep up with, uh, keep up with markets. And I was like, you know what, you know, we don't, I don't think the advisor crew gets enough credit for keeping people in their seats. Um, you know, in a time like this, when people want to bail, cause now is absolutely the wrong time to bail. Um, and, but if you're do it yourself or some, you don't have someone else to say, okay, Hey, I know it hurts. Here's why we don't do it. Um, you know, and folks emotion just get the best of them. I also saw a statistic in the 2020, uh, downturn for COVID, uh, the average do it yourselfer because, you know, everybody was talking about how much money they're making on Robin hood, Robin hood accounts, blah, 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 blah. The do it yourselfers, uh, underperformed the index by 5%. 5%. I mean, the market was up 20. Wow. They underperformed by 5%. So they did 25% worse than if they would have had an advisor. So, um, kind of, that was kind of a, a cool little statistic. And, uh, anyway, I know I gave you a dollar for a pennies question and I kind of went on a, on a little tyrant, but, um, you know, that's kind of what we're doing is, uh, we're keeping our clients butts in the seats and making sure that the plan's in place so that they don't have to worry about, you know, the R word or, you know, uh, you don't have to get bludgeoned in your portfolio because you're scared. 
Anyway, I, I want to get I'll into the R word. I want to get into the R word because the, R word, the R word, yeah, because it's as we sit here, we're taping this on July the seventh, and we're midway through the summer. Uh, school's getting started again here in a few weeks. Football season's right around the corner. People got uh, people, are, you know, planning their their last. I've got a couple of trips coming up, including one that I, I originally canceled. I was so scared about the the economy and money and all that stuff. Gas prices remain a a topic of conversation around the the the, oh, yeah. the proverbial water cooler. Yeah, it impacts everybody, man. So, you know, energy prices are high. People talk about the price of groceries. I was in Houston yep. last weekend with my brother. We went and bought stuff at, at HEB, which is a, if you live in Texas, HEB is awesome, man. I'm jealous of you guys. Um, it, it, it doesn't exist here. But anyway. It was like Wegmans. And when I lived in D.C., we had Wegmans that was like the HEB. It was like, it was like luxury grocery shopping. It was awesome. Yeah, just everything's there. It's just kind of organized. Yeah. It's just I love it. Anyway, it's expensive as hell. Everything is. And so, you know, people just had their 4th of July cookouts. Um, you know, a year ago, we were graced with the permission from the president to have our, our 4th of July cookout. And we're told. I forgot that. I forgot I'm to such ask a permission. jerk. I'm such an, I'm so mean. I know. But he did. He gave us permission <laughs> to get started on July the 4th with our, uh, our kind of, hey, be careful and go outside and make sure that you're masked. But listen, good news, he said. We're going to save money, and he showed us how we're going to save money on hot dogs and stuff. Well, this year we did not save this money. This year we no. did not save money on the 4th of July. If you had a cookout, it was expensive to uh, cook your burgers or, or, or brisket or pulled pork or whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's probably 15 20% more than last year. I think that's right. It was a little bit, I think it was like 22%, but yeah. who's counting at this point, right? It's Look just, at me pulling stats out of my butt and being almost right. It's just money. <laughs> it's um, just money. <laughs> so... People like me, in light of all that stuff, and I, I do think I'm representative to some degree of Joe Q public, um, we hear that, Martin, and we think, whew, it's tough. Worried about my 401k, worried about my retirement funds, and then people start using the word recession. And you hear that word, and I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not ashamed to admit this, you hear that word in the midst of High taxes in the midst of high gas prices, high energy, high bills, food costs cost more to put food on the table, costs more to get around. Um, someone like me who's got two kids in college and another one that still has to go to college. And I hear the word recession and I think, oh, my God, what does that mean? And it's 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 almost, if you allow it to be, panic inducing. And then I read today in the Wall Street Journal written by Orla McCaffrey. We've read her work before. She writes, mortgage rates recorded their largest decline this year as investors raise their bets that the economy is headed for a downturn. The average rate on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage fell to 5.3%, mortgage finance giant Freddie Mac said Thursday. That is down from 5.7% last week, but far above 3.22% at the beginning of the year. Growing fears of a R-word in the U.S. stand to further push down mortgage rates as investors pile into U.S. treasuries, widely seen as safe investments during times of economic uncertainty. Mortgage rates are closely tied to yields on the benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury, which fell to their lowest level in more than a month this week. Yields fall when prices rise. Mm -hmm. Slight, slightly lower borrowing cost could provide some relief for would-be buyers who have had to contend this spring with double-digit growth in home prices and the fastest acceleration in mortgage rates in decades. Some mortgage lenders are already quoting rates above 6%, pushing some buyers out of the market. So you hear this, and I'm going to hand it to you, you hear this and it's kind of panicky. Not for me, but I think about my kids, right? And yep. you remember the 70s? Uh, I was a little kid during the 70s, but I've heard people talk about the 70s. I can remember people talking about the 70s back then when interest rates got up into the teens, high yep. teens. People couldn't afford to live in a house. It was panicky. And I've got a, a daughter who's 21. I've got a daughter who is uh, 19. Won't be long before they're in the workforce and before they're, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, Potentially, at least, you know, they're thinking about starting a family and they want to buy a home and you worry, will you be able to afford it? Are, they, are there going to be jobs? Are they going to be able to afford to live the way that uh, they their parents lived? And so you hear all this stuff and it's it's kind of uh, 
it's kind of nerve-wracking. But you and I were talking before the show, and you said, hey, don't panic. So I'll ask you why. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer. I'm going to kind of go around the world and answer all of the things that were that were chalked into to that article too. But I'm going to start with, uh, we're going to jump in the time machine and uh, we're going to roll back, not, not too, too far distant path past, but um, I think most people will kind of, most people that listen to this show will kind of remember this time period of their life. It might be, you know, 10, 15, 20 years difference in ages for, uh, for a lot of us, but a lot of us will recall it. So um, do you remember the kind of 2005, uh, time, time frame, 2005, 2006 You'll time have, frame. You'd have to refresh my memory a little bit, but well, for me, I was, um, I was a fresh, like just graduated, um, from Millsaps, you know, getting my first job. Um, you know, the economy seemed to be pretty healthy. We had just come out of the, um, 2001 and 2003 recessions. Uh, and we, the economy was kind of picking back up into, um, you know, into a, into an, an expansion cycle. Of course, this is two, three years ahead of the great financial crisis from 2008, which was really, uh, you know, where our financial system plumbing just went, was, was completely fouled up. But 2005 was a reasonably good time. Um, you know, and the, there wasn't anything really, the reason you probably don't remember 2005 because there was nothing really profound that happened and there wasn't anything awful that happened. But for me, it was a big deal because, uh, 2005 was when I bought my first home. Um, you know, and we had, we were as like 22 years old. Um, I had an infant. Yes, I started young. Uh, I had an infant at the house. And so, we were living in an apartment and, um, we were paying about 750 bucks a month for a really nice one bedroom apartment, um, you know, in, in the reservoir Rankin County area. And, um, I was, you know, talking with my wife at the time and I was like, look, I think that, you know, we can get a, a two bedroom house or two bedroom condo and probably save about, 50% of what we pay in rent and we can, and we can own it, uh, which was true. We were able to do that. We bought a, we bought a condo for, uh, $70,000. Uh, it was all of 1100 square feet. Uh, it had two bedrooms and one and a half bath. Uh, but it was perfect for, a you know, a three person family. And, um, I remember I, I didn't have great credit. I didn't have bad credit. I really just didn't have much of a credit file at all. Uh, but we were able to get the financing lined up and, um, and our interest rate was like 6.875. Uh, and it didn't scare me. Right. Cause I didn't know any better. Uh, I just thought, okay, well that's kind of what the interest rates are. You know, my house payment every month was $400, which was amazing. Uh, I wish I had a $400 <laughs> a month note now, but, um, so fast forward to 2006, we have another child in September. Uh, so we knew that we weren't going to be able to stay in our little two bedroom, uh, one and a half bath condo. So we bought a home uh, at the beginning of 2007 or the end of 2006, beginning of 2007. And my rate was uh, 6.25 because we had some credit history. We had about two years of credit history then. So it was like 6.25. Uh, my house note went up significantly. Uh, it tripled, but also, um, you know, almost tripled the size of, of my house. And that was just kind of a normal rate, 6.25, somewhere between five, you know, and three quarters and six and a half was what normal people were paying. Then the great financial crisis happens, right? Everything goes to hell in a handbasket. I ended up, you know, owning a house that I paid. I was at the top of the market. So I paid premium dollars for the house. Um, and we couldn't sell it because we were like a lot of folks, um, underwater upside down on what the value of the home was versus what we owed on the mortgage. So we held on to it. And, and then, you know, the, the fed in 2009 ish brought rates down significantly. And I remember people refinancing their homes for, 
you know, two and a half percent, three percent. And man, that just kind of persisted from 2008 to present. So for a lot of people, we have just been conditioned that, you know, that a three percent mortgage is normal and it's not at all. It's so far from a normal environment. And, you know, we're starting to get rates are starting to quote unquote normalize, but it's very abnormal for a lot of us. You know, a lot of us have been, you know, that are younger, um, have bought first and second homes with rates that are, you know, two and a half, three and a half, four percent, um, something like that. And and that's our norm, but that's not normal. Yeah, I think the first house we bought um I think it was we were we had a mortgage rate in the fives. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's why you and I talked about this, you know, back back a year ago, even though I I wasn't sure that it was, you know, we ultimately didn't do it. But we, you know, we were like, oh, these rates are so historically low. They're not going to stay here. Should we get on a 15 year? And, you know, and, and yeah. Yeah, we probably actually should have done it. But well, the cool, the cool thing is you can hit extra principal on a 30 and turn it into a 15. But right, if you get right, squeezed, right. you're not required to make right. the payment you would make right. on a 15. And that's what we, that's what we worried about. You yeah. Know, two in college. And, yeah. you know, what happens, what happens if the income t- takes a hit and. You know the whole the whole COVID the whole COVID spring and summer of 2020, and I've talked about this before. It's it's we have life changing days in our lives. You know that obviously days you know a child is born or a parent dies or you know worse, whatever. Those days are days you remember obviously. But there's a day in in August of 2020 that sticks out in my mind where. It changed the way I, I looked at everything, man. I mean, in, including money and life and, and, and decision-making and all of that stuff. And it was the day that someone who would know told me that, hey, man, this is probably not going to be a football season. And and I just remember thinking, okay. I was by myself. It was the day that, it, it, ironically, it was the day that I, I, I first had symptoms of COVID. Um, it was, so there was a lot to absorb that day. And I remember thinking to myself kind of very calmly, Okay, if that's the case, these next five, six months, man, you got to focus. Talking to myself, like you've got to be locked in on how you can survive if this goes like this. You've got to be the rock in your family, and you've got to be this, 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 and this. And 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 you know, luckily, thank you, Greg Sankey. You, you will forever be my hero. Um, luckily, cooler heads prevailed. And people at the SEC office were like, no, no, hold up, hold up. We're going to, let's just wait. We don't have to make this decision today. Let's just wait. Yep. And, um, and, and ultimately we had a football season and we've had another football season and we're going to have another football season. Hallelujah. This year. And everything's been good. And actually I've made more money than I made before, which is great. I'm not bragging. It just, the point is, is that, you know, when you stick just, we just kind of stuck to our guns that summer and we made it, but the point is, is it does kind of change the way you look at things. And so it, it made me more reluctant, I think, in 2021, which is when we thought about it. It made me more reluctant to go, oh, yeah, we'll be good. Nothing's going to happen. Let's do this 15-year note. And let's let's get out from underneath the mortgage where, you know, we can retire a little earlier or whatnot. You know what I mean? That's but So I, I would have probably had the COVID thing not happened, and I was, I, I guess, a little cockier about it. I would have done that in 2021, but because the COVID thing happened and I went, oh, wow, man, it, it can all go away so fast. I didn't, I didn't do it. Anyway, go ahead. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, man. I mean, and, and that's sometimes when we are in those little, those, those moments of where emotion really floods the brain and you're going, and that's normal, man. I think it's normal human nature. You're like, oh my God, you know, like if for me. Uh, my first, my first instinct is always go to worst case scenario. And that's just, uh, I don't know why I do that. And that's just where I have to go first. And I have to talk myself out of like, okay, dude, like the government is not coming to my house to seize my house and, you know, and kick my family out on the streets and we're going to be begging for you. That's where my head goes initially. And I have to just let it go there to be like, all right, that's totally irrational. All right, let's get back to what reality is. And uh, I mean, dude, I put my pants on just like everyone else. I have the same worries about money, just like everyone else does. It's just, I have to get to a point to where I, when I'm talking with clients, like 
we can't both be irrational at the same time. It's okay for me or my client to be irrational, but not at the same time. One of us has to be rational. And it's usually me that has to be rational when we're talking to clients about, you know, what is this rooted in reality or is this rooted in fear? Because fear is a, a massive driver of um, usually not great decisions. Uh, and, and so when, you know, when we're talking and so like when I'm talking to people, especially about today, you know, I kind of, you kind of think about if we were drug addicts, right. And we were trying to come off of, you know, the drugs that we were on, you can't, if you just quit cold Turkey, most of the time that doesn't work. You got to kind of get yourself weaned off. Well, we've been on this drug induced interest rate environment for, you know, since 2009, it's not rooted in reality. And now we're having to come off of the drugs we've been on since 2009 and people are starting to go, you know, you body starts hits the shock and you have a little bit of withdrawal symptoms and you go, Oh my God, you know, it's all going to collapse and it's all going to go to hell in a handbasket. Well, that's not true, but it's going to get different for sure. Uh, you know, and, and we haven't been accustomed to what does a 5% mortgage look like? What does a 6% mortgage look like? Well, what it looks like is if you were qualified to buy a $400,000 home, you know, last year, you're probably qualified to buy a $325,000 or a $350,000 home this year. And prices of homes will start coming down, you know, a little bit um, because of rising interest rates. But we're just trying to get back to normal because what we've lived in is not normal. Just like when gas was $1.50. Did I love it when gas was $1.50? Absolutely, I did. But I also knew that, okay, this is not long-term. Gas at $1.50 is not is not going to help anyone. You know, if oil is 75, 80 bucks a barrel, gas is 275, three bucks or a gallon and everybody's making money and, and the consumer is not getting hammered like with $5 a gallon gas. There's a, there's an equilibrium point for all this stuff. It's just that the, the pendulum never sits at equilibrium. It always swings through one way or the other. And it's trying to get to equilibrium and markets are the exact same way. And there was a, I can't remember the name of the economist. It was in like 1966, kind of tongue in cheek. Uh, I think it was 66, 65, 66. Uh, dude says uh, stock markets, and I'm going to paraphrase them and I may get them a little bit, a little bit wrong, but the, the point is the same. I think he said like, you know, stock markets have predicted nine out of the last five recessions. Say that, say that last part again the stock market has predicted nine out of the last five recessions. This is in the mid sixties. So now it's probably more, it may be, you know, the markets predicted, you know, 15 of the last 10 recessions or something like that. But the market isn't always right either. Right. And markets long-term are rational, but short term can be very irrational. And that's because we have people involved in markets and people and emotions are very, you know, irrational. Now, do I think we're going to have the R word at some point? hundred percent. We have to, that's just the normal cycle of business. Now, since we're Mississippians and I'm going to talk, we'll talk about something that like we can all relate to. And Jamie Dimon actually gave me this little juicy nugget. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that New Yorker and just beat him to death with his little juicy little nugget. And I like the guy. I think he's a really smart guy. He runs JP Morgan chase, uh, you know, largest bank in the world. And he said, you know, with regards to the recession, and this was a couple of weeks back, I think we even talked about it on the show. He said, you know, prepare yourself. There's a hurricane coming. And that's all he said. And people freaked the F out yeah. by that because Jamie Dimon said it. Markets freaked out. Everyone freaked out. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, damn, man, like that's a that's a pretty big thing to say on a world stage when everyone's already skittish. And because it's, thinking, because like, if you dude, live, if you, if you, like we did, we lived in Mobile for the Mobile Spanish Ford area for 10 years. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you know, when someone would say there's a hurricane coming. You start you, asking questions. Yeah. Well, you would say, okay, all right. Well, all right. Is it a so, tropical storm? Yeah. So is you'd it a start, depression? Yeah. You start watching it, it, right? You'd start, cat, is it a cat one? You'd watch it. You'd watch it for, for at, at first you would say, okay, there's something to be alarmed, alarmed by, alerted to. Yeah. And you would watch it. And as it moved, you would start asking, okay, what's its path look like? And yeah. And then you would say, okay, what is it? Is it strengthening? What is it looking yeah. like? Because there's a big difference between, hey, 
you're going to get hit by a tropical storm, tropical right. depression, maybe even a, a category one hurricane. And, yeah. and Hey, this is Katrina. This is Ivan. This 100%. is a four. This is a five. You need to, you need to evacuate. You need to, yep. you need to brace your windows and close your storefronts and you need to get your gas up your vehicle and make sure your generators are ready and you need to get your your uh, children out. You need to get your pets protected. There's a difference between, hey, this is the big one, and hey, this is a storm. It's going to rain. It's gonna, there's going to be some wind. You're going to have to get out when it's over and pick out pick up limbs and stuff. And you know, you you probably need to make sure you gas up your car because it's going to be difficult for, to get gas for a couple of days. And and it, this is going to be an inconvenience versus this is going to be a disaster. Yeah. So. Dude, and you kind of took words right out of my mouth. So let's just con- let's use the analogy and everything you just said, and let's walk through where we are, kind of right now. And I know that people may say this is kind of you know uh, minimizing what's going on, and it's not at all. It's actually trying to get people in a with a something that they can digest that makes sense to them, especially here in the South, because sure. we know about tornadoes and hurricanes. Sure. You know, in the South. Hurricanes, so, hurricanes, a better example than tornado though. Right. Because, yeah. because with the hurricane, it's like, going to pop up. Yeah. Like I yeah. said, but the hurricane, you've got time. You yeah, see you it. You know, it's coming. You know, they tell you two weeks out, Hey, there's this wave off the coast and, yep. and, and okay, it kind of gets rolling and then you start watching it and they start keeping an eye on it. And I mean, you know, like we used to joke in Spanish for it was like, Hey, where's Cantori going? You know, is Cantori right. coming here? Because if he's coming I mean, here, it's panic time. You get you get out. Yeah. <laughs> you pack your bags. He's the canary in the coal mine, you know, Cantori. So if he comes to if he comes to your town, you're you ask no questions, you evacuate. Hundred percent. So let's 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 use the hurricane analogy here. And so if you're like you just said, hey, you know, you kind of know about these storms about two weeks out. So I think we are really still you know, a week out from landfall, if we're quote unquote in the hurricane talk. So they have all their different models of which way the hurricane could go. Is it going to strengthen? Is it going to weaken? We still don't even know that it is still, it's in the South part of the Gulf between, you know, the Yucatan and Cuba. And we have no idea whether it's going to Texas, going through Mexico, it's going to take a hard ride and hit Florida, or if it's coming, you know, right up the gut and going to smash you know, Mississippi. Right. So that's kind of where we are. And we've got all these forecasters out there going, Oh man, you know, we got a hurricane coming, but no one is willing to say what it is. Is it a category three? Is it a category one? Is it a five? Neil, you there? I'm here. Yeah. I'm listening. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Dude. I was like, I got, I was really quiet. I was like, man, no, 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 I'm listening. (laughs) Yeah. I'm listening. So, 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 and the thing is, is the market, when the market doesn't know, the market's like, oh, shit, we got a recession. So the market has priced in a category three, right? So okay. we're down 20%. That, that That's a big recession, you know, down so the 20%. So the market a, is bracing for a hurricane that, that packs a wallop. It doesn't destroy the community, but it, it makes you, it's, it's going to leave you in a state of disrepair. Yeah. Well, so what the, what the market has done and we're still the and the storm is still in the south part of the Gulf. The market has already gone to Home Depot, bought the wood, started boarding up the house, has the gas in the generator, and we're not even sure if the hurricane's going to hit Mexico or Florida or it's going to hit us. But it's already like, oh shit, this thing's going to destroy us. And so we still have a little bit of time before you know this thing hits landfall. And there's some people that are going, oh, you know, we're we're in a recession right now, and. and Man, I just find that really, and they may be right. I may be totally wrong, Neil, and this is my opinion, and and you know, and I may be totally wrong here, but it just with earnings growing, uh, you know, we're up ten percent in earnings this year. FedEx just raised its dividend, which you can't fake a dividend. You either have cash to pay the dividend out, or you don't. Okay. You can't fake it. Okay. And if FedEx is going, man, shit, we're going to be in bad shape, they're probably going to hold on to that cash instead of giving it out to their shareholders. I mean, that's, they're a really smart company. They're, they're not going to be idiots with it. So I just kind of trying to read the tea leaves on what's going on. And what, will we have a slowdown? I think we probably will have some type of slowdown because with interest rates going up gas prices, where they are, you know, 
food prices where they are, it's easy to see how, you know, we could slow down. But to me, a slowdown is like a depression, a tropical depression, a tropical storm that's going to come through. It's going to blow some limbs off. You know, you're going to have a lot of rain for a couple of days, probably not going to get out and do what, you know, not going to cut the grass. You're not going to go swimming, but the storm's just got to pass. And I kind of feel, and I may, I may hang myself here. I feel like we're probably tropical storm, maybe category one, maybe, but the market has priced in a category three. So you it believe priced in a four or five yet, but it's priced in a three. So if, if the thing hits land and it's a tropical storm or a one, the market's going to melt up because it's going to go, Oh shit. We over, we over, we over the pendulum went too far, you know, one direction. And that's what you think. You think this is a deal where it's a storm and it's yeah, going to pass through. I'm not it, saying that I'm not saying we're not going to have a slowdown at all. I think that I can totally understand how we would with gas prices where they are, you know, interest rates going up that intentionally slows the economy. But you think but it's one of these deals where the house up and get yeah. the dogs and, you know, go to Memphis and get a hotel room for a week. Like, Oh, we're not there, dude. Yeah. No, and and the, so yeah, take, taking your analogy, there were people always, I guess I remember it. There would be a storm in the Gulf. And when it started tracking towards, you know, whether it was the panhandle or, or Alabama, Mississippi, they would look at it and go, Oh shit. And they're, they're gone. They're, they're packed up. And I used to think, they're just using this as an excuse to like have a vacation, but they would go to like Memphis or something and stay in a hotel. And you're like, there's nobody vacations there. Um, you know, and so you're just, you're just wasting money. And, and, and then there were people like me who, after the first time I've told this story before, you know, Ivan was our first hurricane experience. Um, and you know, it did damage to our house, which was a new house. And my wife, we went to Birmingham, all of us. And my wife was like, well, you go back down and, I'm like, God almighty, you want me to drive all the way back to Mobile and then back? I had to cover a football game on Saturday. This is like on a Friday. And I did it. You know, I was pissed off the whole time. And finding, oh, yeah. find, you finding what your wife tells you to. Finding gas was hard. And, yep. um, you know, and then I had to take the, the things off the house and send her pictures. And then the house had damage. And anyway, long story. I said, I'm never doing this again. And so from that point forward, whenever another one came, she would leave and take the kids. And I would stay. And it would end up being, you know, like, that was a, a fairly common thing in that neighborhood. And so when, by the time the storm passed, power was out or whatever. We'd all light our big green eggs and sit outside and drink beer and whiskey and cook steak. And it was actually yeah, kind of, actually kind of fun, right? But the point is, is that there was, there was very few times where you really needed to board up and leave. Most of the time, you got wet. And you might lose power for a few hours. And your satellite didn't work for a bit. But it was just an inconvenience. And, and you, yep. you kind of bounced back to normal pretty quickly. Yeah. And then there is the Katrina times where you kind of get a little bit caught off guard and blindsided. That happened. That was 2008. 2008 was Katrina. Okay. Because everyone was kind of like, oh, cool, man. We got a hurricane coming in. It's going to it's going to slow down a little bit as it gets here. And then it just didn't. It just like it like leveled up. Like, you know, we play Mario Kart and you run over the mushroom. You're like, I mean, like that's Katrina came in and smashed us. And that's what happened in 2008 is we kind of got caught with our pants at our ankles and we we're like, Oh God, like, and it was really the financial systems that, that were in such bad shape in 2008 that caused, you know, uh, that, that big of a, of a recession to happen. But it was also really the first time the government stepped in and said, Hey, I'm going to backstop this thing. And cause we'd had, so when people talk about, you know, like inflation in the seventies and eighties and, interest rates and mortgages in the eighties. And, you know, you could get a CD for 12%. Well, those were like draconian extreme measures that Paul Volcker took into place. And the government was very hands off with, you know, trying to help cushion, you know, economic blows, um, to our economy, uh, where, you know, after 2009, the government really became a lot more active or after 08, the government became more involved in, trying to soften the blows of the economy. And now we have a government entangled in our economy. And that's, you know, we've been trying to get back out of that to get less government intervention in the economy. Um, but truth of the matter is, is like the markets loved it when the, when the government would step in and, and drop rates. And now we're having to try to back out of policy that's been in existence for, uh, let's see, what, 11 plus 2 is 13 years 
since, you know, 2009. And, but we're addicted to it already. We're addicted to low rates. We're addicted to easy money. And we've forgotten what normal feels like. And we're just trying to get a return to normal because uh, we can't, it's not sustainable long-term to, you know, continue shooting these drugs in our arms. We're going to, you know, we're going to kill ourselves doing that, but we have to get off the drugs and we have to get back to normal. Uh, but that process is going to be slow and a little bit painful, but it doesn't have to be painful all at once. It doesn't have to be an amputation of the arm. And that's what the Fed is trying to do is manufacture, you know, this kind of soft landing to where if we have a slowdown that it doesn't cause, you know, this massive economic ripple through the world, through the global economy. And are we going to have a slowdown? Yes, I, th I think we will. You know, it might come end of year, might come beginning of next year. But is it going to be, is it a category three? I just don't see it. And I mean, then look, man, I may be wrong. There may be people out there, you know, when you talk to your, your economist buddy at Ole Miss, he might be like, dude, that guy is an idiot. Here's why this is going to happen. And I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to be wrong. I just don't see it. I'm, and I'm trying to read the tea leaves. All right, let me throw something else I at you. Let me throw something else at you. Uh, this is also a Wall Street Journal. This is an opinion piece. It's written by Daniel Greenleaf. I don't know that we've ever read his work before. He says, a rude awakening is ahead for young employees. A recession will hand the bargaining power to their bosses. And look, sure. this, you know, you and I are no longer young employers. We're fortunate enough to, I think at this point, sort of control our own destiny to a certain degree. For the most part, yeah. But there are a lot of young people out there. Uh, you, you've got young people in your life. I've got young people in my life. Most of our listeners have young people in their lives who we care about. And we're concerned about their future. And he writes, workers of a certain age and attitude will have to reckon with the coming recession. I mean, he writes about it as if it's a sure thing. Rising inflation and a market downturn guarantee layoffs. The days of expecting employers to be grateful for your application will be gone soon. People who started work in the past dozen years are about to experience their first tough job market. Younger employees, not all, but many, will need to make more realistic demands of their workplace. The last recession ended in mid-2009 with unemployment at 9.5%, about two and a right. half times what it is today. Correct. <laughs> Anyone who finished college since 2010 has mostly known good times in the job market. The same is true of many who have entered the workforce directly from high school. There was competition, but it was for employees rather than jobs. Workers' expectations changed along with their willingness to do hard work. A hot job market gave employees an unrealistic sense of their irreplaceability. Mm -hmm. At our call centers, absenteeism and attrition climbed. We found less loyalty among technical staffers who often jumped employers for a slight increase in salary or a change of scenery. We couldn't find workers we needed, so we looked offshore. Today, 70 people work for us in Bang Bangalore, India, Bang Bangalore, India, and there will be more than 120 by the end of the year. We found the same level of talent as in the U.S., but with turnover this year of less than 5%. And by reducing labor cost, the shift allowed us to reward motivated U.S. employees with more money. A motivated employee is willing to come into the office. The re this requirement runs contrary to the post-pandemic work-at-home revolt, but it uh, creates the best experience for the patients we serve, boosts teams' morale, and helps our employees develop professionally this is uh mr greenleaf by the way is president and ceo of motive care a healthcare services company based in colorado so i mean to your point i think he's kind of bolstering what you just said we're about to have a dose of reality we're getting yep. off the drug and we're, we're, the drugs. we're, we're getting yep. we're getting back to the real world and in the real world when you're first starting out yeah, it kicks you in the nuts. You got to go sometimes. pay you. Got to go pay your dues. Yeah, right. Gotta, I did, man. You, you, I had I, to grind. Shoot. I got abused my first three years. I did too. But man. I also got a PhD level education because I worked my ass off. Yeah, I got a I got a life education. Yeah, um, I, I mean that's I, what I'm saying. Man. I, I did. Got, yeah, I got a PhD from the streets. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I did, well, I, I did too. You know, I mean, it's like I don't want to make this about me. I, I always right. just find this fascinating. I mean, I, this happens to us all the time. So you know. For those who don't know, I'm, I'm the publisher of rebelgrove.com. It's part of the Rivals Network, and we cover Ole Miss. And I will get young people all the time, all the time. And I'm not picking on young people because as a, as, a, 
as a whole, I'm actually a pretty big proponent of the generation, whatever they call themselves, Generation Z or whatever it is. Z's. Yep, Gen Z's. For the most part, I think we 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 make fun of them. I, my experience is nope, nope, they're sharp. They're sharp. They're they're just different. They grew up in a different era. Yep. Anyway, I will get them though. They're quote aspiring journalist and they're like, Hey, I, I want to do some work for you. I'm like, great. What I want to do is I want to cover football. I don't need you to cover football. What do you mean? I've, I've got football. We got it done. I need you to cover track. What I need you to do is I need you to help me with some of this other stuff that we don't really touch because it doesn't get the mass eyeballs, but I can give you experience. I need you to go cover soccer. It's kind yep. of a growing sport. Ole Miss is pretty good at it. They've been in the Sweet 16 a couple of times. I know the yep. coach. He's going to give you all the access you want. You can go cover them. And, man, you can or, – or you, male, female, or whatever, you can really get your feet wet. And you can make mistakes that nobody notices. And you can get work. And you can show people in the future, hey, I, I'm, I'm good at this. Or you want to cover women's basketball? Great. You want to cover softball? Super. You want to go do stuff on uh, track and field? Hey, knock yourself out. I'm here to help. Those people don't call back. They never follow up on the email. And it's like, I think it's some of that is, is, is a sense of entitlement that's, that's been formed. It's not their fault. It's been formed over the, over the years where, oh, yeah, you, you can get a job. And, you know, I look back on the beginnings of my career. It was, you know, hey, on uh, Friday night, you're going to go cover a high school football game. Yep. And you're then you're going to spend the week covering city council and board of supervisors and you know and then when I took a job in in Shelby County at the Shelby County Reporter which is god almighty I mean I, I drove 31 minutes each way um in my little Chevrolet whatever that was called and and um was it S10 was no, it a truck it was like a little Chevette sort of a deal it was I mean, it, oh, okay. it would barely make it up Red Mountain and um <laughs> But but I would spend the week covering news stuff, and then on, you know, I'd start having – I did sports too, so I'm doing, you know, Wednesday night I'm driving to Chelsea to cover a basketball game, and then on Thursday I'm going to cover a wrestling meet, and on Friday I'm covering another basketball game, and on Saturday I'm covering a volleyball meet. And I hated myself. I mean, I did. I hated it. I remember sitting there covering a volleyball tournament, you know, thinking – this is this cannot be what I've signed up for. You know, I'm I'm down here with a camera and a notepad, and I'm writing and I'm taking pictures, and they probably think I'm a creep because all these girls are in the tight little volleyball <laughs> uniforms, and, and and you know, I, I'm just I just hate I hate myself. Oh, what, but I look back on it, and I was learning how to be a reporter. Yeah, I was learning how to manage time. I was learning how to multitask, and I was paying my dues. And yeah. so, you know, when I got that first break at the Birmingham Post-Herald, um, and they sent me out to cover a high school football game on Thursday night, another one on Friday night, I didn't look down my eyes, or down my nose, I should say, at the the dog assignment. I was like, hey, this is money. This is work. This is an opportunity. And there are people at the Post-Herald who are going to read my work, and they're going to see it, and they're going to uh, – begin to trust me more. And sure enough, I went from getting kind of the low, and I'm not making fun of the teams, but, you know, the the, the high school game that really nobody was interested in, I started yep. getting, you know, a Mountain Brook-Homewood game, which I knew people were interested in. And before you know it, you know, when that full-time opportunity popped up at the Post-Herald, I got it. And then when the Auburn beat opened up and I was able to say to them, hey, I, I want this beat, and if I don't get it, it's cool, but I'm going to go do something else now. I got the job, and that led to my career. And, and, and so there is a dues-paying process that, 100%. May, that you know. I a think, lot of this generation's missed out on. And so I think that's yep. kind of what's coming back, getting back to some degree of, of, of normalcy is just we sort of the, the arc of this takes its shape. Yeah, man. And I had a very similar experience, and I know we're bumping on time, and I'll just I'll, I'll be real quick. Cause, so, I, you know, I, I, at the beginning of the show, I said I was, graduated undergrad in like 2005 2006 five six took the job in dc in summer of 2007 with a you know massive institutional investment consulting firm and i was a low man on the totem pole and i was a redneck from mississippi right and a lot of my colleagues were very high pedigree they were the harvards the yales university of virginia's 
you know, Michigan's, Columbia's, all these really Stanford high pedigree schools. And um, there was a dude in, in San Francisco in our Menlo Park office. Uh, and he was, he's an Asian guy, uh, had a, just a, I mean, he was just, dude, he was just so aggressive and just beat you down and people just didn't like working with him. Well, I didn't, you know, I guess, you know, in the South, we kind of grow up a little tough, right? Like people's words to me, I can go, okay, that guy's just, just an asshole. And I, that's no reflection of me. Uh, so anyway, I screwed up, um, I screwed up, uh, an investment book for him, for one of our clients, California community foundation. And he calls me at eight o'clock and I was in DC. He's in San Francisco. So it was like 5 AM, you know, his time. And I was like, Oh hell, I'm not answering that phone call. So I let it roll to voicemail and he immediately calls back. I was like, Oh shit. Uh, and his name is Dennis Chu. And, uh, I answered the phone. He's like, don't you ever effing screen my phone call again? I was like, oh, oh, I was like, shit, is there cameras in here where he's watching me? And he's like, do you know what's wrong with this report? I was like, I have no idea. And he's like, you're, he's like, you're stupid. You didn't check your work. Did you? I was like, no, sir. I didn't. He's like, do you know how to use your calculator? I was like, uh, yes, sir. He's like, you just, are you just lazy? I was like, uh, uh, I was like, I don't know how to use the bond calculator. He's like, I'm going to teach you how to use it right now. Get it out. I was like, oh my God. So I, you know, he teaches me all the stuff I need to do to, uh, you know, to check my work. And this guy's just a, he, he was just a tough dude. What happened is I started, you know, I messed up. I owned up my mistake. He taught me I was coachable. And then he started giving me more stuff. And, and of course, all my other colleagues were happy that he was giving me stuff because they didn't want to work with him because he's a, he's a hard ass. Um, but dude, that guy taught me so much about, you know, how to build, how to build portfolios for, these large endowments and foundations and how to manage money and how to read the tea leaves. He taught me the secrets, you know, of the business that, that I wouldn't get had I not. And he, and, and dude, and he would also, he was also the dude that on five o'clock on Friday, my phone would ring and he's like, Hey, St. Jude, I have a meeting with them at, you know, nine o'clock on Monday morning. I need you to do this, which meant I was going to be working all weekend. He abused me, but dude, I got a PhD level education from the streets and how to manage money. And I, yeah. And I paid my dues, man. Um, and I'm grateful for that, but you're right. A lot of folks don't, so, some folks don't get that opportunity and then some folks get it and don't realize that they have it and squander it. All right. Last topic of the day. All right, cool. going to have, we're going to switch gears. Going to have a little fun here and I'm not making fun of anybody, but I am. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, <laughs> who I think most would agree. Is he closing Disneyland again? I think most would agree it, was, it would be impossible to butcher a COVID response worse than Gavin Newsom in the state of California. <laughs> Is that fair? Uh, yeah, because, I mean, Disney is a great example of that. I mean, they were closing. The Florida Park barely closed. Disneyland was shut for months for no reason yeah they were they were arresting people on california beaches they were pulling people out of the water and arresting them because of covid yeah gavin newsom is running for president i would love for him to win that ticket he unveiled his presidential ambitions i want to give credit to the author i like to do that i think it's important as a journalist this is kenneth l kashijin uh, Mr. And Mrs. Kashijian, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing the name. I, I know you're listening, and, and and please forgive me. Congrats, Ken. He has uh, unveiled his presidential ambitions and challenged potential opponent Florida Governor Ron DeSantis with a television commercial in the Sunshine State. Stuffing too many images into too little space, Mr. Newsom called on Floridians to flee to California, where we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom from hate, and the freedom to love. Mr. Newsom followed with the CNN interview, trashing Mr. DeSantis and summoning Democrats to, quote, take the fight to them. I got to be honest with you here. As someone who is a sports writer who loves a little chaos, <laughs> as somebody in journalism who sometimes just enjoys a good rivalry that begins to get hot, yep. give, me the, give me this in a concentrated form and pump it straight into my jugular. I want this. <laughs> if you could promise me today, and I'm tell you why, and you can tell me I'm an idiot. 
if you could promise me today that in 2024, Newsom will get the Democratic nomination and DeSantis will get the Republican nomination, I will absolutely sign up. And, and, and here's why. At the end of that election, at the end of that campaign cycle, the debates, all that stuff, on election night or whenever, however long it takes for us to count the votes, why we're the, we're the worst at that in the free world is beyond me. But regardless, at the end of that, whatever total is given to us, I will know beyond a shadow of a doubt where we are as a country. I won't have to guess. You and I won't have to come on on that Thursday after the Tuesday election and, and pontificate. No, no, no. We'll know. <laughs> we'll know. Because one governor responded, and for the moment, and you know where I stand on this, but for the moment, this has nothing to do with my leanings or my beliefs. One governor handled COVID one way, and one governor handled COVID the complete opposite way. And everyone got exposed in COVID. You got exposed as conservative, as liberal, as scared, as whatever. You got exposed. Every single person, even the people who tried to ride the middle, nah, you got exposed because you did the mask thing. We did the mask thing. We did the vaccination thing. We did all the boosters and all that stuff. We're still doing it to some degree. I flew for the first time last week in three years, and I'm fascinated, fascinated, not not in a judgmental way. I'm fascinated by the mask thing to this day. About how many people percentage-wise? So, on the plane we're wearing. So I flew Memphis to Denver, Denver to Houston. Don't ask why. I needed. To, oh wow, that's a crazy. I needed route. to use points. It was it was it was a con- oh, okay. a convoluted way to get to Houston, but it worked and it was fine. And I'm kind of glad that I did it for two reasons. One in Denver, I had a layover, and so I found this bar, and I had the best IPA I've ever had in my life. It was freaking fantastic. Do you like IPAs? Yeah, I like beer. Um, uh, there's a. I need to bring you up. Sorry, sidetracking, but there's a new brewery here in Jackson called Fertile Ground. Okay. Um, really good. And they just they just put out so I'm a member of their terror club. One of my buddies, a couple of my buddies are running it. So I you know, I definitely want to support them and their business. But I don't drink IPAs or anything like that. I have I have a four pack of their nebula IPA. I need to somehow <clears throat> get that to you. I would love that. So that so that you can taste it. I had a first cast IPA. It was made by Elevation Brewing Company, Elevation Beer Company in Colorado. Okay. It was f- freaking fantastic. Anyway, so I'm glad it was, it was worth it. To have a couple beers there was worth it. I would say Memphis to Denver, it was 20%. Um, I would say Denver to Houston, it was more like 40%. I would say that the Memphis airport was about 15 to 20% mast. The Denver airport felt closer to 50 and the Houston airport was back down to the 15%. Hmm. That's what I noticed across the board. But anyway, regardless, whatever, whatever you want to do, I'm cool with it. I, I don't care. I did have someone on my plane ask me if I would mind masking, and I said I would. Oh, I would have been like, uh, yes. I said, yes, I, do, I, I, said, I, said, yes I would. And, and she said, you, you, you would mind? I said, I absolutely would. Yeah. And that was the end of it. Don't she, tread she, on me. She dropped it. I dropped it, too. It was all good. All good. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be fast friends, but we don't have to be. No, we'll never see one another again. Um, probably will never see each other again. No, exactly. So it's all good. But if we get DeSantis versus Newsom, I'm in because we'll find out everything about where we are. I, th- I think we'll we'll know where we are, where we're going. And for young people, they'll have decisions to make. And Yeah, I mean, and dude, and, and, and Disney is the great litmus test for, for that too. because And I know Disney and DeSantis have had their dust up recently that's kind of died. But, um, you know, Disney World in Florida and Orlando was able to reopen very quickly, um, you know, and they had some restrictions that they put in place and it wasn't as fun to go. Uh, but Disneyland, same company, same policies. And even the, you know, director of health for Disney was, you know, was demanding Gavin Newsom let them open Disneyland so that they could earn a living. And and he refused and it's funny because, you know, they're like, oh, you know, DeSantis is trying to get into the business of Disney with all of their little dust up. But he didn't force them to, to close. But Newsom forced Disneyland to, to remain closed. Yeah. What I would enjoy is I would enjoy the debate between the two men. 
they're both nice looking guys. They 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 both uh, they both are pretty good speakers. They both are very articulate. I, I I'm being totally serious here. Give me this over a Biden Trump thing a million times over because I think with DeSantis and and Newsom, I think we would have more of a litmus test for where we are as a country, as opposed to with Trump, where all these people hate him, and Biden, who's been a disaster for two years, where I think it would be, and, and also Biden and, 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 and Trump, and this isn't being political, they're both old men. Yeah, I mean, Trump would be in his late 70s, <clears throat> and Biden would be in his early 80s when they ran in 2024. I mean, we would be voting between two people. I mean, would we have to stop and have a pudding break? I mean, what, what would we do for both of them? I mean, you know, hey, guys, do y'all need to stop and, and run to the restrooms? What? How, how does this work? I think with DeSantis and— They and wear diapers on stage. DeSantis and Newsom, you'd have two guys in their 50s, two guys who are, you know, pretty sharp in terms of they can communicate. They would look good. They would they would be on top of their games. I think we, it, it, it would give us an opportunity. Neither one would have been president. Uh, neither one would have been impeached or threatened to be impeached or th- those things. I think instead we'd actually have a substantive debate that would allow us to decide where we are as a country. So sign me up for this. I would be 1 million percent for this if we could get this. This is this is about best case scenario. Well, I'm, I, I, would, I would love to have that too. So uh, I mean, probably for different reasons than – than, than you and you're definitely a lot more cerebral about um, the political realm than I am. But well, I want I, I would want, just be happy for it to not to be not Trump and not yes, Biden. Yes, I don't want it to be Trump because if it's Trump, we get to have an election on Trump, and I think we've already done that. I don't want to do that again. And 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 so if it's and if it's Biden, look, if it's Biden. Godspeed to the Democrats. I mean, you're running an 82 year old who is right now just his his unfavorability ratings are, are are off the charts historically. I mean, he's 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 in historically bad territory and has a has, vice. Has there ever been a incumbent that was not? Yes, it had it has, had another term. Yes, who did, did not get did. the nomination? It happened in the 1800s. Yeah. I can't remember the <clears> exact <throat> president. I was listening to. Um, in 2020, I was listening to um, um, Lindsey Graham's Ameri- oh, yeah, American the, elections. About each president. Yeah, it was about each presidential election. It has yeah. happened. It would be interesting if Biden got challenged, and he is going to get challenged. Uh, I, you know, my anticipation is that Biden will not run for re-election. I told you That'd why. I, I told you why. I think November will 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 kill him. I think November's the end. If in November after the – because the Republicans have hurt themselves with this, frankly, with the, the abortion ruling and stuff. I'm talking politically now. I'm not talking about my views or, or religious beliefs or anything like that. But politically, the Republicans have handed the Democrats some red meat with the abortion ruling. Uh, there are moderates who otherwise would have said, this economy is insane. I'm voting Republican who will now say, well, no, I'm, I'm concerned about my rights and I'm, I'm going to vote Democrat. Yeah. But if in November, if in November, despite that, it's still a, a, a bloodletting in favor of the Republicans, then I, I think the Democrats will look at Biden and say, we can't we can't do this anymore. You you can't you can't run for reelection. We, we can't have another catastrophic loss and they'll look to shift elsewhere. So that's that's kind of what I expect to happen. Well, November's not far, man. No, it's not. It's really, I'm looking forward to it. It's actually. really close, you know. I know because of what I do for a living and, and, and the way school works and stuff, when the summer ends and we get back into it and all of a sudden every Saturday is football Saturday and every Sunday is NFL Sunday and you got your kids are back in soccer and dance and football and whatever the case may be and um, you know, you're back in the grind of the fall and you look up and it's October and November's right around the corner and, and it's it's the first big litmus test. Well, hey Martin, we kept you uh, kept you more than an hour here. So really, no, you're you're good, man. I mean, and I know, um, I I tended to talk a lot, and we drifted, and so I know I took up more of your time too. So, no, but I enjoyed it. It's fun, yeah, I did too. Uh, thanks to all of you guys for making us a part of your week. Um, we will be back 
our schedule is going to be a little wonky over the next uh, couple of weeks, but we're going to bring episodes to you. At least that's the plan. And then uh, it probably will be first of August before we get back into this routine of Thursday, but it's all good. We're going to bring you more uh, Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle. Don't forget, go to mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N wealth.com to um, get in touch with Martin and all the wonderful people at Pinnacle. So until next time, uh, for Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Thank you for listening to Mind on My Money. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.